0: Hello and welcome to our favorite Bible stories podcast. My name is Yudochi and I will be your host. So this podcast has been a long time coming. I believe I heard from God a month or two ago to actually start this um, Christian podcast. I know some of you were like a month or two. Miss ma'am, it is a crisp November. I am aware. I am very aware and I have no good excuse. Um, I definitely think that a podcast is not something that I would ever personally choose to do, only because um, I'm not a big social media person. I don't really like having my voice out on the internet. It's definitely not my vibe. And so when God first said it, I was like, <laughs> me. But he was like, yep, you. Sure, sure is you. And I was like, okay, okay took me a little planning to um, get together the format and the structure and the types of things that I think would be um, nice to include in this podcast. So that is why it's coming now. But yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting time, hopefully a fun time as well. We're just going to go through the Bible, talk about some of the classic Bible stories that maybe you heard when you were younger, if you went to like a Sabbath school or like a Sunday school. Um, or just like the classic ones that most people tend to know, like a David and Goliath or like a Noah. We're actually going to talk about Noah today. So I just think it would be nice to go through those stories and um, showcase how they still are relevant in our modern world, especially as young adults going through this world. If, if you're not a young adult, you are free to listen as well. Um, but I am a young adult. And so I think I'll be sharing my perspective as trying to, as someone trying to navigate. Um, our modern world. (laughs) At this age, it's definitely a lot going on. There's definitely a lot going on, but God is still sovereign and God is still working. And so hopefully we can continue to showcase his character and his love and his strength through these stories. And so I guess a little bit about me to really like anchor um, this podcast. So I have been a Christian my whole entire life, was literally born into it. I was one of those people that was basically at church every single day. I went to church on Saturdays, on Sundays, had Bible study on Wednesdays, church practice on Fridays. And also I went to a Christian school from like kindergarten to fourth grade. So like I was very much entrenched in like big church culture, Um, which had its benefits because I can quote some like scriptures. And once again, I know like a lot of these classic Bible stories, but I also think as anybody who has encountered quote unquote church hurt or was just deeply involved in like specific church spaces, it can be a little bit difficult to really forge your own path in Christianity. And so I definitely struggled with that who am I as a Christian outside of like my parents and my family and the church spaces that I've been a part of. And so I think my journey to becoming like a real true Christian really started. I think ninth grade. And that was because I was going to Bible study with my dad. Um, and it was like the first time where I felt like I was able, I don't know how to describe it, I think it was like the first time that I was treated like a Christian with everybody else and not just like a child, because the Bible study was like mostly adults. Um and and other children came or like other quote unquote kids came. And they would treat everybody like the same. Like if you had a question, they would answer your question. They wouldn't just be like, okay, you don't speak here. They were like, no, you have a very valid question and we will answer it. And I was even able to like share my opinion on other people's questions. And it wasn't taken as like, oh, this is just a silly child talking. It was like, this is a fellow believer who also wants to learn more about Christ. And I think that really empowered me and let me know like oh no God does care what I think and in the body of Christ my opinions matter and that I am in a place where I can grow in Christ by myself and with other people. And so I think that really spurred me along to read the Bible more, um, to pray more earnestly and vulnerably. All of which are good things. But one thing I will say that I did is when I started to like get back into reading the Bible myself and not just like waiting for Sundays or like reading a verse a day. Not to say that any of those things are bad things, but it's always good to like supplement um, church pra- <laughs> church sermons and, um, and like mini devotionals with uh, reading the word for yourself. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about why I think that's so important. But when I first started to really, really get back into the word, I was a New Testament person. I didn't want to hear about the Old Testament. I'm like, it's ancient. It doesn't matter anymore. Give me New Testament. Well, and Psalm. I would read Psalm. And a proverb here and there. But I was very much New Testament. Very much the Gospels. Little little Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That was my vibe. And it was during COVID that that kind of switched. Um, COVID was a really interesting time. I think it was one of the most difficult times I've had spiritually where like, I feel like my foundation was shaking and I was like, Oh God, bring me back, bring me back. Um, and I feel like I was led back to the beginning, literally Genesis. And I started reading through the old Testament. Well, I tried to, then I got to Leviticus. So I was like, okay, let me just, and Numbers, I'm like, let me just skip this a little. Um, but of course, all scripture is important, but some of them, some are a little bit more difficult to understand. So I definitely just, just turned the page to the next, um, the next book. But as I was reading through Genesis, I was like, one, this is kind of cool. It's nice to see, it's nice to be reminded of the foundation of the world and the way that God put things into existence and the order that he said about. I mean, also it's very tea filled. I think I was actually so surprised. I'm like, oh raw, you guys were wiling. <laughs> they were wiling back in the day. Oh my gosh, I don't think I realized how crazy it was. I knew Cain killed Abel, but I was like, Cain, you really killed Abel because he gave a better sacrifice than you. No one told you to bring a crusty fruit. So you could have you could have brought your best as well, and then. Abraham? Abraham? Y'all go read Abraham's story. Because I think a lot of us, well, if you were born into the church or like you, if you are familiar with the story, you may know that like Abraham and Sarah are waiting for a child um and that whole saga. But did you know that there were times that Abraham was going into like other countries basically? And every time he was like, Sarah, Sarah, you too fine. And they gonna kill me, so that way they can keep you. So you know what you're gonna do? Say you're my sister, which was technically correct, because she technically was like his sister. But He was lying, because she's also your wife, sir. And he was like, "Say, say you're my sister. Say you're my sister, so that way I can live." And and every time, the king or the emperor of that place will be like, "Is that is that Sarah? Is looking fine?" and would always take her into like his palace. And then Abraham, as the quote unquote brother, would get a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, Abraham, you will let your wife just go up in that palace so you could be free. So you could have, Mm. Mm. huge side eye. I was like, Abraham, this ain't a good look, sir. This is really not a good look. So you see, there's so many moments in the Bible that are like raw, but also, mm. They were just like us. I think we tend to put, or at least I'm going to speak from the I perspective. Sometimes I would put a lot of these like biblical figures on like this really high pedestal. It's like, oh no, they they were on it. They were the faithful. They were the people that held on to God in the midst of difficult, difficult circumstances. And they were, but they were also flawed just like the rest of us. And so when we start to see ourselves in these biblical um, characters and also see how God showed up for them, I think personally, it starts to really transform the way that we see God. We are able to to believe that he is who he says he is. We can trust all those verses that say, if God be for me, who can be against me? And that God is not man, that he should lie. And that he has the whole world in his hands, that he will do exceedingly abundantly, that all of those things are promises for us because we've seen him do it for people that Either turned their nose at him, that did not follow him. Literally, the whole Old Testament is his people being. Anyway, where's that pagan God though? Where's that statue though? That's literally the whole Old Testament and how God would still always call them back to himself. Not to say that we should continue in sin, but it is to show his mercy and his kindness. And also, the whole Old Testament is basically setting up the New Testament, which is the story of Jesus. It's interesting. I was reading through John or I'm, I'm technically still reading through John. I'm like in the last chapters and there are so many verses where it says Jesus did this to fulfill the prophecy. And I was like, that's crazy. Like he had, well, I mean, he had knowledge of the Old Testament because he was in heaven watching it happen, but He knew the specifics of what he had to do in order to prove to the people and to us that he really was the son of God, that he was that promised Messiah who would come and alleviate pain and bring people into the folds of into the folds of God. And so I think it was just. I don't know, I think we can't just take Old Testament by itself, New Testament by itself. It's a beautiful story that is meant to be read and seen and looked at together as one bible not just two separate parts and so I think that's one of the reasons that God called me to do this because I kind of went through that revelation I was like okay well you know what let's put it all together then and so this will be like kind of a mini bible study we're gonna have like the hahas, the oh mys, the laughs but also we're gonna delve into some of the more difficult passages as well that um that don't always feel good that don't always feel nice and comforting and calm, and see how God shows up in the midst of those passages as well. We may delve into a little Job. I, Job is that book. And I know this because it was literally this year that I actually read it. I was like, every time it would be like, skip, what's next? I think Psalm is next, right? Is this Psalm? It is. See? That was the book I was reading when I was in my New Testament phase. Um, but. There is a lot that we can gain from stories like Job or like looking at lamentations, which is basically just people being really sad and lamenting all of the things that have occurred. But then also there's one of the most beautiful passages in lamentations, which let me see if I can find it. Hello, this is editor Udochi speaking right now. Um, I looked up this verse on my laptop and I was also recording on my laptop and I did not know you could hear me aggressively typing. So apologies. Sorry, I'll have to hear that in about a few seconds. Um. It is, see, this is another thing you guys are going to learn. It's not that one. This is another thing that y'all will learn. I do not know where any verse is from. Could potentially know a book, but chapter number, mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's not my ministry. Okay, we can use this one. It's not the one I was thinking of. Oh, it's The Steadfast Love of the Lord Never Ceases. (laughs) <laughs> in real time seeing the way my brain works. Of the Lord. I'm also on my laptop right now, so I'm typing so you hear though. Sorry if that was annoying to anybody. Okay, limitations 322 to 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so in these um I guess more difficult passages, we can still see God's kindness and his love and how people during that time were still able to hold on to his promises. Yeah. So that is what our podcast will be. And so hopefully I'll be joined by family members and friends and be able to hear other perspectives um, aside from mine, but yeah. And so one thing I also want to say is there is a verse and it says, this is second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 to 17. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works and I believe that was the new King James version and so I think I really just want to emphasize this that the word of God is alive it's breathing and it is still applicable now I think some people can think of the Bible as like an outdated um an outdated book that is no longer relevant or that only certain parts are relevant and this verse is really emphasizing that all of scripture is very very important and the last thing that I this is probably one of the biggest things that I want to emphasize is that I hope that as we go along this podcast as we read scripture that you would follow along but if you are like driving or if you are in a place where you cannot read that scripture for yourself in that time, I. Urge you to read it by yourself either after or at a different time when you are free because there are a lot of false prophets running around. There are a lot of people that are saying things that are not in the Bible. And one of the best ways to make sure that you are not taken advantage of, to make sure that you can hold others accountable for what they say in using the name of Jesus and the name of God, is to know the scripture for yourself. There are so many people have been led astray because even we can look to Genesis. It's either Genesis 2 or 3 where it talks about the fall. And one of the ways that Satan was able to mislead Eve was because he quoted something that seemed like what God said but was not actually what God said. And so, in fact, you know what? Let's go to it. Let's think it's Genesis chapter... Two, give me two once again i don't know where it is i believe okay so it's giving genesis three okay and literally the first verse it says now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the lord god had made he said to the woman did god really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden and this is verse two the woman said to the serpent we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden but god did say you must not eat from the tree that From the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die eve did god say you couldn't touch the fruit or did he just say you couldn't eat it when you don't know the word it's almost like there's a verse that says that we have to be careful not to give the enemy a foothold and so when you don't know the word for yourself Sometimes he can sneak in certain things or you can sneak in certain things that aren't actually in the word. And that could really change either the the meaning and interpretation of that verse, or you can start to believe things that are not true. And so once again, I truly, truly urge you make sure to read the word for yourself. Okay. So onto one of the segments, which is not really a segment because it's only going to take like three seconds. Um, but I guess in a mini transition I would also like to share some of the stuff that's going on in my life um and so one thing I would like to start doing or (laughs) it's my first episode so one thing I would like to do is um have a song of the week and so this is a song that either I've been listening to that I've really been loving or just a new song that I found um and so for today um I have I'm looking up in Spotify and it said we don't know what you're talking about Okay. Here it is. Um, it is a song called sound of victory. It's by the truth, limo blaze and Travis green. And it is so good. It's like a light rap song. Um, if that is a thing, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but it's like really nice. It's very catchy, um, still full of a lot of the promises of God. And it's like, kind of like Afro gospel. So if that's your vibe, I would definitely check that out. Um, so that's my song of the week. And also let me know, should we make like a collaborative Spotify playlist for the gospel and the Christian music? Cause I think that would be fire. Let me know. I think we should, but I'm not going to do if y'all don't want it. So, um, there's that. And another thing I would like to do is rosebud thorn. This was, (laughs) this is something I used to do a lot in high school and it's like a classic icebreaker activity where you basically say one good thing that has happened to you this week, um, one not so great thing that has happened and then something that you're looking forward to. So rose is the good thing, thorn is the (laughs) thing and bud is something you're looking forward to. And so my rose is finally starting this podcast. I had recorded an episode and I just didn't love it. And I was like, you know, you know, gee, this is the last time. <laughs> this is going to be the one. So, so that's why it's happening right now. Um, a thorn. I was supposed to do my hair on Saturday. I was supposed to do mini twist. Tell me why my hair is currently in a puff. I didn't even, I didn't even cover it to sleep last night. That's how you know. That'll just show you where I am right now. Don't be me. Please cover your hair or put in some braids or or something. Um, Do I know what I'm going to do with my hair? No, I don't. Because now I don't want to do the mini twist anymore. But I probably should. (sighs) I don't know. I'll figure. Or my hair will figure itself out. So that's a good thing. Um, Well, no, that's not a good thing. But hopefully it will. You know what, y'all? Natural hair is hard. (laughs) But um, we'll see. I'll figure out something. Um, And bud, something I'm looking for. Forward to that's hard. What am I looking forward to? You know what? This is I guess it could be seen as small, but there is this great mixed fruit pack from Costco. It has like mangoes and peaches and pineapples and strawberries in it. And if you just put that in a bundle real quick, add add a splash of whatever liquid of your choice, I use water because I don't like I don't do almond. Well, I like almond milk, but not in a smoothie. Um you just blend that up real quick delicious too good it's, it's basically dessert so I'm gonna have one of those even though it's kind of cold does not matter I'm gonna have one of those right after this I have a little treat to myself for finishing this <laughs> yeah that's my rosebud and thorn also it's really important to check in with yourself throughout the day to so just make sure, just as like see where you are, see how you're feeling. Um, then also it gives you a chance to recalibrate if you need to or to, I guess, course correct um, in the middle of the day to make sure that you are just in tune with how you are feeling and how you are doing. So maybe you a to rosebud thorn right now. Maybe you need to pause and ask yourself, what's my rose? What's my thorn? Am I, am I looking forward to something? Why am I not looking forward to something? You know, check in with yourself. Okay. Let's get into the Bible story for today, which, is, which, as I said before, is Noah, a classic. But also, as I was studying this passage, I'm like, hmm, there's a lot more that I forgot happened, or there's a lot that I forgot happened in this passage, but also really speaks to my situation right now. So I, and look at that. Love God for that. So let's pray and then get into it. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for waking us up this morning and starting us on our way. Thank you for your kindness, for your goodness, for your character. Thank you for allowing us to come together right now and study your word. We are about to go through the story of Noah. Ask that you just be with us, that your Holy Spirit will rest over us and give us wisdom and understanding to truly comprehend this passage, that what you want to say to us on this day will come out, that all of the words that I say Will not be the enticing words of man, but that it would be hidden behind your cross, God. That I will say that which you have called for me to say, that which honors you, and that which is in line with your word. In all things, may you be glorified, honored, and adored. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Okay, so the story of Noah is in Genesis chapter six, technically to ten, but we're really only go we're really only going to look at Genesis six to nine. Um, and so one of the reasons that I chose this passage is because (laughs) the name of this podcast is our favorite Bible stories. And so the story of Noah, specifically Genesis chapter eight, verse 20 to 22 is like one of my favorite passages in the whole entire Bible. So that is why we are looking at it today. And so I guess a little bit of context, um, these are really evil times when we are looking at the story of Noah the people are crazy they're doing any and everything that they want to do there's just a lot of evil um present and so I think it's really interesting because the story that happens like right before this well technically Genesis chapter 5 is like the genealogy but the story right before that Genesis chapter 4 is the story of Cain and Abel and as I hinted at before The crux of it was that Cain was jealous, and in his jealousy and in his envy, he decided to kill his brother. And that really just encapsulates this point in time when any and everybody is doing exactly what they want to do. They're given to every whim and every desire that they have, um, irregardless of how it impacts them and impacts the people around them and impacts their relationship with Christ. And so It got to a point in time, we're looking at Genesis chapter 6 right now, and going to verse 5. This is the New King, uh, oh, it's actually the NIV version, which is interesting because I definitely want the New King James version. Um, Okay, looking at verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And so I think this is a difficult passage because on the one hand, we're like, okay, they're evil. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They got to go. But on the other hand, it brings up this really difficult question of, well, why were they even created if they were just going to be tossed out or quote unquote tossed out? And it also hints at another big question, which a lot of people ask of Christians, which is, If God is so good, why are evil things happening? Why did he allow this evil to, to occur? And I think it's a really, really loaded question. When I was looking at different commentaries and different, um, scholars, a lot of, there was not a really clear answer, but I do think there are a few things that are true when we start to think about the world of evil, um, and how God's goodness can work inside of that. And so I think one of the biggest things to differentiate is that just because bad things are happening, it does not mean that God does not care for you and for these people. I think it could be so easy to say, oh, well, he's just, he's just removing them. He's just getting rid of them. Like they're his creation. Why is he doing that? If we go to Genesis chapter five, we can look at the genealogy and Seth was the son of Adam and Eve and he had a son and then his son had a son, then his son's son, son had a son. And there were several, several, several generations before we get to Noah. And so for some people looking at this, it could be that, well, God is not kind and God is not patient because why is he just wiping them out now? But if we see there was so many, And people were not just living to 100. They were having years on them. Noah, I think, lived to be about 700. These are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years of God not really dealing with the sins of people. And instead, allowing them to live out their lives with the hope, what The Bible didn't say this, but I believe with the hope that they will eventually return to and come back to him. And so I think another idea that we really have to understand is that technically on this earth, if we truly do believe that God is sovereign and that this is his world and he created it, then we are not owed anything because there's a verse, (laughs) Romans, John, I don't know one of them. It says the wages of sin is death. When you sin, you are supposed to die. That is the whole purpose. Yet in God's kindness and his love towards us, he does not allow that to be our our end. And even brought Jesus so that way we don't have to go to hell but instead can be brought into heaven to live with him in eternity despite the fact that we sin all the time. And so while it is not and while to some it may seem like a band-aid answer to well why is he wiping out these people I do think that when we look at even what we've seen of his character in the first five chapters where even though Eve ate the fruit and he told them not to eat it well Adam ate it too and technically I have opinions on this that God technically told Adam to do it and Adam I don't know what I don't know got lost in translation when he told Eve because she was quoting stuff that was not correct but regardless of that Adam and Eve both ate the fruit they both disobeyed God and according to what the verse I just said that the wages of sin is death they were supposed to die but God in his kindness in his love just removed them from the garden and said things are gonna be a little more difficult but I still have y'all and well If we get to the story of Adam and Eve, there's this whole other theory about why he actually removed them. And maybe it's so that way they wouldn't eat the tree of life and they wouldn't be stuck in the sinful nature for the rest of their lives, but instead they could go into eternity with Christ. Um, But if we get into that story, we can talk about that. But I did really want to just harp, or I wanted to touch on this idea of why is there evil if God is good? And once again, we can see that he is kind. And he is caring. And there are so many passages of the Bible that really, really showcase that literally like the whole second half of the Old Testament is the people messing up and God saying, you know what, after you guys have suffered a little bit because you guys were sinning, I will bring you back to myself. And so, yeah, I think it's definitely something that maybe you'll have to tackle, uh, maybe that you'll have to struggle with a little. But in the end, I do hope that this particular passage uh Genesis 6 5 to about 7 can still point you back to God and so once again you have the people they're evil God said uh-uh no more no more y'all gotta go and so the only person that really found grace or found favor in the eyes of the Lord was Noah and so Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 it says this is a gene words this is the genealogy of Noah Noah was a just man perfect in his generations that's crazy my email makes a sound I tried to turn it off I don't know how to so if you hear a beep um (laughs) you know just know it's my email and so um we have Noah and Noah is the person that God decided to allow the rest of humanity humanity to live through and so Noah so God tells Noah he's like Noah it's that time everybody gotta go i'm done i'm done cut it out cut it out we're done so he said but i've chosen you so here's what you need to do you need to make an ark because it's gonna rain. at this time rain had never actually happened rain was not a thing because if we look in genesis 3 it even says that um hello again so you remember when i said i don't know where anything is from that is once again proving to be true because it is not genesis 3 it's genesis 2. specifically verses 5 to 7. Or really five to six. And it says before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown for the Lord had, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So while there is debate about whether or not it had rained, I'm of the opinion that it did not. So take that as you will form your own opinions, but you don't you believe that it did not rain? And so rain was not a thing. So I not know what was like, <laughs> we're going to have little water droplets fall from the sky. What's that? I <laughs> do who is that? What, what do you mean? I just know that when Noah was building this ark, when this, is just, this is just my imagination of what could have happened. I know his little neighbors were like, I know what you're doing. What you, you building an ark mm-hmm. for, for what reason? For, for rain? What is rain? What you mean? Rain, rain who? Rain where? I've never seen rain. I know with the little evil selves, they were trying probably trying to jeer at him and make fun of him and all stuff like that. Well, little do they know, but um, despite all of the things that may have happened, we know that Noah was faithful and was obedient and built that ark. I also know it must have been so tiring to build it because when I was looking up the dimensions, I'm like, so how big was this ark really? Y'all, if anybody has seen a football field, if you have not, Google it right now. It is, the ark was basically 1.5. Football field. So one full football field and a half. That's how big that boat was. I know he was tired. And it had three levels because it had to fit all of those animals. I know he was tired. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? That's crazy. i probably have to deal with all of the other evil circumstances around. Mm mm. But Noah was obedient. And so he said, all right, I got you. I'm going to build the ark. And God was like, okay, you're going to take all of the animals. You're going to take seven clean animals and two um, unclean animals. And we're going to bring them into the ark. And this was another thing. I love animals. But could you imagine being on an ark with every kind of animal? It was to the point where I started looking up. I'm like, so what does kind mean? And I don't know if y'all ever learned this in science class where it's like the family, kingdom, genus, species, other ones. And I was like, so it's kind of species, it's kind of genus. How many of each type of animal was he bringing? Because if it really is species, (laughs) Noah, Noah's having a difficult time. Because can you imagine chasing down a cheetah and a lion? Then you got to get the spider. And then he was also getting the birds of the air. And some of them birds are not kind. Could you imagine trying to wrangle up all of them and have them walk into this ark? I am of the opinion that Noah was probably tired when he finished up this whole entire, this whole journey that God had him going on. But still, he was obedient. He was faithful to it. He said, God told me to and I'm going to do it. And so... He builds the ark. He gets all the animals in and God tells him, okay, Noah, it's getting time. Um, <laughs> That rain's about to come. The flood's about to come. Get up in the ark. And so he does it. The animals go in. His family goes in. And this is really important. God is the one that shuts the door. So it's not Noah pulling up a little rig or doing something. And then God shuts it, which will be important later for how it is opened. But it says that This occurs, let me find it. Where are we? In the 600, this is Genesis chapter seven, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And just as God said, rain came and the floods came and everybody and every living thing was wiped out. Which is very, very sobering. Once again, we may not always understand why God does things. But his heart is always pure. So like I said before, if you have to struggle with this a little, go ahead and struggle with it. Bring your questions to God. He will help you through it. And this is another point that I thought was so interesting. So God did tell Noah that the flood was going to happen for 40 days and 40 nights. What God did not tell Noah. That it would take some time for the waters on the earth to recede and for the land to be habitable again. And that is a really difficult passage because it means that essentially Noah was in the ark for probably a whole year longer than he expected. And that's hard because. I know it is not just Noah that has gone through that. When God has told you, "Okay, just do this. Here's your next step," and things did not turn out how you thought they would, you're like, "Oh, wait, God! They. I started this new job, but my supervisor's tripping. Said I'm going to this school, but I can't really find my community. I'm doing this thing, but it seems like there's opposition on every side. A lot of us." Well, you know what? <laughs> Let me speak from the eye perspective. There are some times where if I knew what I would have to go through to get that promise that God had, I don't know. I, w- I would probably pr- be praying for a lot more signs. And like, <laughs> you know what? This <laughs> is such a side note. I wonder if anybody else does this whenever I'm like tasked with doing something that I kind of don't want to do or like, or I just want like clarity from God. I'm like, well, you know what, God, give me a sign then. And sometimes it's like signs that don't quite make sense. It's like, you know what? Let the car next to me honk three times. Or let this thing fall off the table in like two seconds. And that is how I'll know that it's you. We start coming up with a lot of other stuff so that we don't have to do it. Or maybe, maybe that's just me. Maybe none of y'all don't. Maybe I don't know about that. Maybe it's just me. A lot of times we would not go into the things that God has for us if we, if we knew the trials and the tribulations that would come along with it. And I personally am of the opinion that Noah was getting real, real antsy in that ark, Because if we look at chapter 8, it says that the fountains of the deep, this is verse 2, the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the seventeenth day of the month, on the mountains of Ararit. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. And so remember, no God in there in the second month. This is now the tenth month. And that is just when the mountains could be seen. so verse 6. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made and he sent out the Raven. And once again, I told you some of these birds, the Raven was like, you know what, Noah, you by yourself. I'm a, I'm going to continue to, to fly flitter until I find dry ground. And so the, the Raven did not return. The, there was no habitable land yet, but the Raven said, <laughs> I'm going to continue to fly anyway. And so Noah's like, you know what, Raven, I got you. I'm going to send out a dove. And the dove comes back. So he keeps sending out the dove until the dove returns with an olive branch, which lets him know that the land is habitable. So by him constantly checking to see if the land was ready, it is really clear that he was done being in the ark, at least in my humble opinion. But remember, who shut the ark? It wasn't Noah. Noah. No, it's was not the person that closed his, that closed the door. So even if he wanted to leave, how's he gonna leave? With one door. The door that he didn't close? How does he even know how to open it? It's not like his power is gonna push against the power that God used to, to close the door. Yet it's really normal. Once again, he didn't know it was gonna be a whole year. Starts taking off the tarp, starts, and I and I know that he was sick and tired. Cause can you imagine all of those animals in one vessel for over a year? Have y'all ever been to a zoo? Zoos smell so bad. So bad. And for about eight months, the window was closed. Y'all. 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 I know this man was tired. And we get tired too when we're in, in the midst of waiting seasons and we're like, well, God, thought this would have happened by now and yet it <laughs> doesn't, doesn't quite seem like it's time yet. It's natural to be antsy and when things aren't looking cute and when things aren't looking nice around you, it's natural to, to be stressed and to be worried and anxious. It's not to say it's the right thing to do, but it's natural. But one thing, as I was reading to this passage, one thing that really stuck out to me is where it said, where is it? That the waters decrease continually until the 10th month, which means that if Noah had somehow, some way, found a way to open that ark, and like, I'm tired of waiting, let me get out of the situation myself, he would have drowned. Because the environment that God had for him to continue on this earth. It wasn't ready yet. So some of us, once again, let me speak from the I perspective. There are certain times when I want to move out of my situation or, or I want to take the steps that are necessary in order to get out in the way that I think is best. Yet in me doing that, I could get myself in trouble because it's just not time yet. There's a verse, it's I think First Peter chapter 5 verse 6. Says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And Ecclesiastes also says that there is a time and a season for everything. Everything under the sun. And so I really just want to give hope to the person who may be waiting for something, who may have thought that life would look different. God has not forgotten you. In fact, the first verse. Of chapter 8 says, then God remembered Noah. God has not forgotten you. He is simply putting things in place. So when it is your time, you can walk into it confidently. And with a renewed heart and mind. So keep waiting, keep praying. If you need to, you need to, pour out all of your emotions to God. Do it. Be vulnerable. He knows what's in your heart and your mind anyway. You may as well just tell him. Let him know. Let him know. And so, as we continue going in this passage, it says in verse 13 of chapter 8, and it came to pass in the 601st and first year in the first month, the first day of the month that the waters were dried up from the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark, of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And the Second month of the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. Then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your son's wives with you. So once again, even when Noah removed the tarp, it was not time yet. But when the earth itself was dried, that's when God said, all right, let's, let's get a move on. And so then Noah and his family left the ark. And here comes one of my Favorite passages in the whole entire Bible. Genesis 8, 20 to 22. 20 to 22, yeah. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So once again, it was during COVID that I first really looked at this passage. And as we all know, COVID was a time. COVID was not cute. A lot of things were happening. And as I said before, I was going through a real big spiritual crisis during that time. And this passage brought so much comfort to my heart because it just really showcased the character of God. He's like, even though I know from youth, from the time that you were born, I know that every inclination of your heart is towards evil. That's literally the first thing you would would rather do. You almost like you're wired to do evil. Because we were born into it, once Adam and Eve ate of that apple, we had or we took on a sinful nature. It is when we accept Jesus Christ. Remember, there's a step we have to do in order to fully walk in what God has for us. That is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So even though he knows that our hearts are bent towards evil, he said, I will still sustain you and i will allow the order that i have put in this world to continue there will be sea time and harvest cold and heat winter and summer day and night even though we don't deserve it even though we are not the best and god's even acknowledging that he said i'll still keep you and in a time when i was really struggling that was a balm to my soul. That Even if I don't have it all together right now, even if, once again, this is not an excuse to sin, but even in my state, God is still keeping. So may this also be a comfort to you. He sees your heart. He sees all of those desires, all of those things that are not pleasing. He is still keeping you. So lean into his comfort. Lean in to to his word, to, to his spirit. And be honest and vulnerable with him. Once again, I cannot emphasize that enough. God already knows it. Lean into him. And he will surely carry you. And not just carry you. Redeem you. And bring you out. And settle you just as he settled Noah on this earth, will settle you too. I love that passage. Then we get to Genesis 9, and this is where God promises the rainbow. He says, you know what? Just so y'all know that I truly, truly mean my word, that I will not flood the earth again. Every time there is a storm and rains come and The waters rise a little too much. At the end of it, you will see a rainbow. And that is my promise to you. And that is such a beautiful thing because once again, God doesn't need to give us any of that stuff. He doesn't need to give us a promise to let let us know that he won't flood the earth again. Yeah, in his kindness towards us, he said, you know, in case y'all get a little antsy, in case y'all get a little scared, in case the there's a little just a little too much rain and the storm's been a little too heavy, you'll see that rainbow and we'll remember. And you'll be able to remember. Ah. God said that he won't do this again. And he's keeping his word. uh. Ah. I used to be one of those people that was like, you know, the story of Noah was just okay. Yeah, the animals went in two by two, 40 days, 40 nights. But it is such a rich, rich story, which shows the importance of obedience. Because if Noah had not been obedient, he would have been in that water like everybody else. That sometimes God's promises don't always look like what we thought they would. Sometimes we make it exasperated and stressed in the middle of it. But that if God said he would do something, he would do it. He will do it. And he did. He brought them out of the ark. He settled them in this land. And not just that. He used this story to showcase his everlasting love. The way that he will continuously make provision for us. Even in the midst of all of our craziness. To God be the glory. A good word y'all so once again i encourage everybody to read it themselves Genesis says chapter 6 to 9 i stopped at verse 17 um but feel, feel free to read until um genesis chapter 10 because that's when it talks about the genealogy um and the people that descended from noah and so i guess it's a really cute way to end this off um this was not even planned but apparently some people think they found Noah's Ark. And so I'm pulling up the news article. Should I have probably had this up already? Yeah, that would have been the smart thing to do, but oh well. Okay, this is someplace I tried to just take <laughs> take my information. So not these people. Okay, we can do this. The New York Post. Samples from Noah's Ark site in Turkey reveal human activity dating back to biblical era, scientists claim. And so some people... That Noah's Ark is in Turkey. Is that true? I don't know. Y'all pray about it. Maybe it is. But if you're interested in reading about it, um yeah, samples from Noah's Ark site in Turkey reveal human activity dating back to biblical era, scientists claim. That's the title. Feel free to look it up yourself. That's good. I do not know if this is true. I don't know the veracity of this, but I thought it was something cool. Um this was like I think about a week ago, so very very applicable to the story that we chose to do today. Okay, so I want to thank everybody for joining me. Um, I don't know when the next podcast will be, hopefully in two weeks. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but I hope that you have a blessed day, a blessed week. I hope that God keeps you and sustains you. I hope that he makes His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That he would turn his head towards you and give you his shalom, his peace. Um, and the second half of that is taken from Numbers numbers what? Once again, I do not know, but numbers. (laughs) Editor Yidochi here. The whole blessing is from number six, 24 to 26. Okay. I'll see y'all later. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.